My name is Gary Bohan Jr. and I am the author of Sharky When Sea Lions Were Stars of Show Business 1907 to 1958 which was just published earlier this year by SUNY Press and my relationship to Sharky is he was trained by my great-grandfather Mark Hewling right here in Kingston. Sea Lions in the Catskills? Well, yes. Today, there's a used car lot and a gas station near the intersection of Sauk Hill Road and Washington Avenue, just south of the traffic circle in Ulster, New York. But in the 1940s, this was the site of Seal College, where sea lions were trained for showbiz. We met up with Gary Bohan Jr., author of the book Sharky, when sea lions were stars of show business, 1907 to 1958, at that very site, on the border of Ulster and Kingston. All right, I'm standing here with Gary Bohan Jr. on Washington Avenue in Kingston, New York. And uh, Gary, this was the spot of something much different in the early 1900s. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it was. It was the spot of a facility called Seal College, which was built in 1939. And at the time, it was touted as the world's largest institute for training seals seals which were actually California sea lions. So right here in Kingston, actually it's in the town of Ulster, it's right across the line, but everyone referred to it as being in Kingston, was this facility called Seal College where dozens and dozens of sea lions were trained for careers in show business. And one of the most famous California sea lions to have been trained right here on the corner of Washington Avenue and uh, pretty close to the traffic circle here was a sea lion by the name of Sharky. Uh, there are a few other locations nearby that are important to the history of Sharky. One of them is where Sharky was buried and another is Forsyth Park where Sharky performed among many other places. So maybe, uh, maybe we can head over there and get away from some of this traffic noise. Okay. Just under a mile from this busy intersection is Forsyth Park and Nature Center where Gary and I continued our conversation. Was sea lion entertainment already a big thing when your great-grandfather got into this? Was this a new novelty? How did this come about? It was a fairly new novelty. The showing of trained seals started, first started in the U.S. in the 1880s, and they got into the business in 1907, so it was, it was relatively new, but even by 1907, uh, train seals were often a part of the circus and even a part of vaudeville, vaudeville being in its heyday, uh, which was the number one form of entertainment, really, in the United States for, for decades. And at the Seal College, what types of things were they trained to do, to perform? Uh, Sharky and the others, they would perform some of what we might consider the typical train seal stunts, uh, balancing objects, things of that sort. But what was unique was they did a lot of stunts in the water. So there was a pretty large pool inside the college and they would do water stunts. So they would not only balance objects uh, on land, but they would balance objects while swimming, for example. To get the famous Sharky and other sea lions to Seal College, those animals had to be, well, procured. In the beginning, when I was uh, crafting the book, I was wondering if I should even include this story, because Sharky 
to put it bluntly, Sharky was taken from his natural habitat, was taken from the wild, and, and certainly wouldn't happen today, and I was, um, was wondering if just even including it would uh, subject me to criticisms or even tacitly condoning um, the practice. But I, I decided to put it in there because uh, I really felt it was important to tell the entire story. But like a lot of history, the story is, is a little bit more nuanced than it may appear. Captain McGuire uh, had devised methods of uh, capturing California sea lions uh, that were certainly a lot better than his predecessors who used to club the sea lions unconscious, hoping most would awaken on shore. So McGuire did develop these netting techniques and he was uh, so prolific in his ability to, uh, to capture sea lions for the world of show business that his stationery read, I supply the world with sea lions. And in fact, he did, and he supplied Sharkey to Mark Hewling uh, in 1938. And what I try to mention whenever I do get interviewed, because it's important, is the technique uh, that my great-grandfather Mark Hewling and his brothers did use was, uh, was kindness. They were not forced into doing anything they didn't want to do. And as a point of fact, California sea lions uh, like to perform, but being kind to the animals was a huge part of their uh, training regimen. Kingston's proximity, just about 90 miles to New York City, made it an ideal spot for sea lion entertainers in training. That and proximity to a water source, the Esopus Creek. What role did that play? Was that used to refresh the tanks on a regular basis? Um, how important was it to have that fresh water supply? That's exactly what the Esopus Creek was used for, for Seal College. So there was pumps, and those pumps would draw water from the Esopus Creek. And then the discharged water would go right back into the Esopus Creek, so nothing, I'm sure, that would fly in today's world, but that's, in fact, what was going on for, for years and years. And I guess just add salt. <laughs> right, and, and in fact, that, that's what they did. They would, uh, to the SEALs tanks, they would add salt, and um, that was done on, on a daily basis. Before SEAL College, the Hewlings had already established a sea lion training facility on the site, but a fire tragically destroyed not only it, but the sea lions in residence in 1929. It was a wooden structure that uh, where the seals were housed. There was no uh, people living there. It was just the, uh, the sea lions. And yes, uh, Waltwick Hose Company Number 1 responded to the alarm, and they got there quickly. Uh, they were able to, to, to snuff out the fire, but it was the smoke, the billowing smoke, and the seals, uh, most of them, submerged in their tank, and they refused to surface except for gulps of this lethal, smoky air. So when all was said and done, uh, 13 out of the 15 seals that were there perished, and it was uh, such a devastating blow to Mark Hewling that he, he quit show business. Uh, all together for, for about 10 years. When Mark built a second facility 10 years later, he branded it Seal College, and it was uh, really uh, a bit of marketing genius because it was a concept that the press found irresistible. Here was this college for seals. And in fact, Mark would stage graduations, there would be a cap and gown, there would be diplomas that the seals would clutch in their mouths, 
and the press just couldn't get enough of it. And so these uh, seals would go out on the road and venture into the world of show business as college-educated seals. After the break, hear how Seal College's most famous graduate was discovered at a Woodstock Library Fair, about his illustrious career in the Big Apple, and more. Plus, stay tuned for your chance to win a signed copy of Gary Bohan's book. And if you don't win it, be sure to order a copy from our friends at Briars and Brambles Books, the go-to independent book and gift store in the Catskills, located in Wyndham, New York, right next to the pharmacy, just steps away from the Wyndham Path. Open daily. For more information, visit briarsandbramblesbooks.com or call 518-750-8599. CatsCast is also supported by the Central Catskills Chamber of Commerce, providing services to businesses, community organizations, and local governments in the Central Catskills region. Follow the Central Catskills Chamber of Commerce on Facebook and sign up for a weekly email of local events at centralcatskills.org. Thanks also to the Mountain Eagle, covering Delaware, Green, and Schoharie counties, including brands for local regions like the Wyndham Weekly, Schoharie News, and Catskills Chronicle. For more information, call 518-763-6854 or email mountaineaglenews at gmail.com. And now back to Gary Bohan at Forsyth Park in Kingston, New York. So then, yeah, 1939 World's Fair and Sea College had just opened up and, and Mark landed um, the, the uh, contract for the World's Fair. So off went several college-educated SEALs to perform at the World's Fair. But Mark held back uh, Sharky. He wanted to do some special training with Sharky. So Sharky didn't work the World's Fair. Mark Hewling held him back, and that's where Sharkey performed at the Woodstock Library Fair, was discovered by a playwright, Gladys Hurlbut, who then soon got the call to write the book for this Broadway production and hit on the idea of using Sharkey. So not only was Sharkey an amazing talent, he truly was, but all these jigsaw pieces had to fit just so. And they did, starting with Sharkey not going to the World's Fair, Mark holding him back for extra advanced training. Then he gets discovered in Woodstock by a, a Broadway playwright, and then he's off to Broadway. If that Broadway playwright, Gladys Hurlbut, rings a bell, she came up three episodes ago in our story about Wiltwick Cemetery, where she's buried. That was his first performance outside of Seal College. Seal College had grandstand seating for about 200 people. In addition to giving a lot of free shows, or shows for a nominal, very nominal fee, Mark Hewling wanted the Sea Lions to perform in front of people. That was part of their training. And so Sharkey, wouldn't you know it, his first performance outside of these trial performances inside Seal College was at this Woodstock Library Fair, and in true mythic fashion, he's discovered by this Broadway playwright that puts him on Broadway, Schubert Theater, within months, starring in a Rogers and Hart musical comedy. Uh, tell me a little bit about Sharkey's relationship with human performers of the time. I understand that he befriended some, he may have irked some by upstaging them. <laughs> well, yes, it's, uh, what's the old adage in show business? Never follow an animal act. So, uh, you know, at first I was just uh, struck by all the articles I was finding that 
that mentioned Sharkey. But the thing that also struck me, every article I was finding, no matter who Sharkey was working with, uh, Sharkey took top line honors. So he would steal, routinely steal the show uh, away from uh, very famous uh, show business personalities. And, and most of them were, uh, were good natured about it. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, if you were on the bill with Sharkey, um, it, it was, it was going to be a rough go of it if you were the human. Here's Sharkey in the 1942 film Pardon My Sarong with co-stars Abbott and Costello. That's a seal. A seal? Sure. They make fur coats. They make fur coats? How do they teach them that kind of work? Oh. <laughs> That's Sharkey. He's the pet of the harbor. He is? Yeah. Can we bring him on a boat? Sure. Okay. Sharkey! Now, when we think of train seals, we often think of them playing on these, on these tin horns uh, type of an apparatus. But uh, Mark Hewling built a homemade instrument that had these buzzer bells on one side, and on the other side were these buttons where Sharkey would press his nose, and it was nine different buttons corresponding to nine different notes. And Mark taught him different melodies, and one in particular was where the River Shannon flows. And it's a rather complex tune. And Sharkey was able to master the tune, and I've seen footage of it. He plays it at quite a brisk tempo uh, under the baton of Mark Euling. And so Sharkey was on tour and doing radio broadcasts until he ran into trouble. ASCAP, well, radio stations, I should say, were boycotting ASCAP because ASCAP had raised their royalty fee structure. And so this radio station made an appeal to ASCAP, maybe they could make an exception and let Sharkey perform his feature as part of this radio show. And, and the ASCAP lawyers came back and said, no deal. So the Associated Press releases a newswire picked up by practically every newspaper in the country. And with one headline is crazier than the next, Sharkey stumped, ASCAP puts end of radio career to train seal and uh, woe is a musical seal uh, you know it's one that's funnier than the next and uh, but in fact Sharkey's radio co career was temporarily thwarted due to this uh, due to this struggle between radio stations and ASCAP. That famous music licensing dispute resulted in the formation of BMI a competitor to ASCAP shaping popular music for years to come. Sharkey did get to showcase his rendition of Where the River Shannon Flows on The Ed Sullivan Show, with Gary Bohan's great-grandfather, Mark Hewling, conducting. There, that's enough of that, young fellow. Gotta get down to business here now. All right. There weren't many entertainers that Sharkey didn't work with. He, he, he worked with them all. Uh, Bob Hope, Imogene Coca, Abbott and Costello, uh, Milton Berle, Sid Caesar. He was on the bill with Ella Fitzgerald, uh, played the Apollo opposite a very famous band leader, uh, Fletcher Henderson. And he worked with a lot of sports personalities too, uh, which is a whole, uh, a whole other area of his career was doing these sportsman shows. 
Do you have any idea what the relationship between Seal College and this community was? Were people scratching their heads as they passed by? Did they all know about it? I, you know, a lot of people did know about it, and I've had a lot of uh, a lot of people contact me, especially since the the book has been published. And there's no greater thrill for me to hear from someone. Some people now in their 70s, if not their 80s, or, or even older, just saying, "I remember going there as a kid," and you know, bringing back such fond memories. Sharkey is buried on Hurley Avenue. Uh, Sharkey's buried, and there was a marker, a memorial marker erected in his memory, which was uh, raised when they raised the building, which is now a medical, uh, I think an optometrist or something of that sort. So there's no more marker there. And Sharkey's predecessor, Charlie, is buried on Green Street, right in uptown Kingston, and his memorial marker uh, does stand in Charlie's honor to this day. You can learn a lot more about Sharkey, Seal College, and early 20th century entertainment history in Gary Bohan's new book, Sharkey, When Sea Lions Were Stars of Show Business, 1907 to 1958, published by SUNY Press. And if you'd like a signed copy, we're giving one away. Just click the link in the show notes to enter the drawing. Cat's Cast is a bi-weekly production of Silver Hollow Audio. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays. Don't forget to click for a chance to win Gary's book, and we'll catch you again in two weeks for our first show of the new year.